Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast, hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you. It's not me. It's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture. And we will. Let's begin with now. I want to see how the world turns around. Let's go adventure in the deep blue sea. Home is with you wherever that may be. Home is with you wherever that may be. Hey there, welcome to episode 321 of Find Your Food Voice. I am Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. Today, I am doing a meditation episode, and this is an episode that I hope helps you to uncover some spots in your relationship with food that need more attention, maybe some spots that need tending to. That is the word, tend, that this meditation is all about. And I want to give you some backstory. So I was on a walk with Doug. Doug is my dog. If you follow me on TikTok at uh, Food Voice RD, you know Doug is all over it. <laughs> so I was on a walk with Doug one day and a word totally popped in my mind. And it was warm, fuzzy. It was a connection that felt just so soft and gentle and the word was tend. And I pictured a kind, loving, soft attention that just brought by through connection and noticing it brought on healing. And it struck me in a way that I was like, this is an important word or experience for someone who is wanting to just dive deeper into their relationship with food. So if you are someone who has a complicated relationship with food, maybe because 
someone has always dieted around you or you're recovering from an eating disorder or you just got diagnosed with a condition that people tell you to restrict food for, or you have had all of that, this episode's for you. And I, again, it's a meditation episode, so it's just me going through thoughts that I'm thinking about from working with folks with this complicated relationship with food for so long. There are certain themes that I've noticed that if you uncover, you may find open a door for you that is a part of healing. All right, so we are gonna get to this episode, but before that, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Find Your Food Voice is brought to you by my Decoding and Demystifying PCO Carb Cravings webinar. I wish you weren't taught to be ashamed of your PCOS carb cravings. You aren't weak for having them. You aren't gluttonous for eating in response to them either. You aren't doing it wrong. I wish you were taught these carb cravings are insightful. I have noticed there are two different types of PCOS carb cravings that give amazing, distinct intel. I wish you were taught from the get-go that both are to be trusted. Are PCOS carb cravings annoying as fuck? You bet. Should they be ignored or tricked? No way. Let's fix this. I'm putting together a mini training on PCOS carb cravings. It's a bite-sized lesson to help you move from chaotic with cravings to decoding their wisdom. You'll also learn the two different types of PCOS cravings and what they are telling you about your current PCOS symptom management. At this free webinar, you also get a peek into PCOS power. It's an open house tour of all that is included. The learning modules, the community, the workbook, the discount, discounted dispensary, and so much more. And remember, it's free. So if you are interested, go to bit dot lee slash pcos carb cravings again it's bit dot lee slash pcos carb cravings and you will get to all the information and a place to sign up did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast you help cover the cost of producing find your food voice thank you to our sponsor equilibria daily women's microbiome defense because of them my team and i can continue our independent podcast Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a 3-in-1 capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When was the last time you tended to your relationship with food? That's what this meditation is about today. And I have some thoughts about how to use this meditation, but I also just want to name, you use it however you want. (laughs) And what I encourage you to do, if this is something that feels aligned with you, is to allow yourself to just have space to not have distractions and let your brain have some empty space to dream and imagine and see what it uncovers. There may be certain feelings or messages or experiences that come to the surface by doing this meditation. And I hope you know that you're the one that gets to decide if you continue on or not. And again, do whatever you want with it listen however you want, but I do hope it helps you to tend to your relationship with food. So like I said in the intro, I had this word tend pop into my brain when I was on a walk with Doug. And the way that this word kind of presented itself, it felt just like so cozy and warm and fuzzy. And it had to almost like um, it just sounds kind of corny, but it had like a maternal kind of kind of connection to it where it felt like some important guidance from a place of complete 100% non-judgment. And as I was thinking about this word and just sitting with holding this word, that sounds funny, doesn't it? Sitting with holding this word, I don't know, but kind of go with me. <laughs> um, I was thinking about the word tend not to not in the way of like oh i tend to like green apples over red apples no not that kind of tend the kind of tend that is to take care of to help in the growth and development in whichever way suits you and i think of like tending to a fire or tending to the garden you know it's really about being a caretaker and maybe even having a caretaker, you know, having someone, again, that maternal kind of connection that we all have, you know, no matter what gender we are, we all have these sides to us that can be quite nurturing. And some of us have examples of that in our life and some of us don't. And um, some may have connected with that and some haven't. And so this word tend is, it may feel kind of clunky as I'm going through that. And 
My challenge with that for you is if it does feel clunky, my guess, and tell me if I'm wrong, but my guess is that that's probably because there needs to be more tending, you know, especially for yourself. So I'm going to go through a couple different layers to this word tend as it relates to your relationship with food. And um, it kind of helps to helps you to take a look at the big picture and notice what needs attention. Again, if you had this really lush garden, whatever you would want it to look like, imagine like walking through it and just noticing all the different parts and sections and different layers to it, things that need attention, things that need to be pulled, things that you don't want anymore, new things you want to put in. I think all of our experiences with food for every human being is a lot like that. And I I wish we all could notice and tend to our relationship with food without judgment in that same way, like someone who is maybe like a landscape architect, you know, someone who is really into how gardens are laid out and maintained, um, how they would, I'm assuming, look at those things without judgment and instead just notice what needs to be given more attention and what things need to not be given attention and what things need to be, need to be yanked out. <laughs> so what I encourage you first is to consider your relationship with food and take a step back. Consider like this big picture, 30,000 feet view of your relationship with food in the present, you know, try to imagine yourself as a separate, separate person and you're just observing yourself. What do you see on your face when you're around food? Do you notice any certain kind of expression? And I'm going to go ahead and take the jump that it's going to depend, right? You know, what does your face look like when you're around food? Well, it may depend on where you are. Like if you're in the office, in a cubicle, in a room filled with many people at their cubicles, or you're in an office by yourself, or when you are around certain people, what is your demeanor looking like? When you are alone, maybe alone in the morning or alone in the evening, It may be different. And then after you observe how your face or your demeanor is presenting, when you look at that face, um, what, what do you feel? Or maybe instead of feeling, if you don't connect to that, maybe what messages do you get when you're in that space? So when you are in public, how do you feel or what messages do you get about food when you're around certain people, when you're by yourself, or certain times of day or certain places, certain times of year? Again, take that big picture kind of view and notice the differences. I hope you know that I'm giving you 100% permission to do whatever you want with this meditation, including pausing it to let yourself think through longer because I'm probably going to be asking certain questions and diving deep into certain areas. And you may need to pause to consider, you know, what it is for you. 
So after considering the big picture, you know, you took a step back and you noticed your demeanor, maybe your facial expressions around food in certain different places and around certain people or when you're by yourself. And then you also considered your feelings in those instances. And if you're not necessarily feeling um, embodied in those places, you may instead have messages, maybe thoughts, or I would also assume that there's at least a few people listening or many people listening who say they don't feel anything. And I just want to name that because I would expect that. Um, We'll kind of go through what I'm thinking about with that one in a few minutes. But as you're doing that, I want to ask you a really important question. Has your relationship with food always been this way? You know, we were considering the present time and your demeanor and your feelings or messages. Has it always been this way? Have you had a complicated relationship with food forever or for as long as you can remember? Certainly, I've talked to people who have been on a diet since they were a very young child. Um, And then other people who are kind of newer to just even a complicated relationship with food, like this is a newer kind of thing. So has it been months or years or decades for this experience that you're having in the present? Has it been this way for that long? And especially, do you have a memory of when it wasn't complicated? If you do, I encourage you to really explore what that was like when it wasn't complicated. Think about how did your face look back then? What was your demeanor, I guess? When I when I say face look, I don't necessarily mean like the details of like your lashes and <laughs> makeup or anything, but like just how was your how was your face showing your feelings or your emotions, your demeanor? And before your relationship with food got complicated, how were you feeling around food? Um, I know for many people, they'll talk about how when their relationship with food felt filled with ease, they didn't really think about their relationship with food. It just was. It was like thinking about breathing. It just was happening all the time, but like there was no conscious thought about it. So I'm curious for you before you had a complicated relationship with food, what was it like for you? And if you don't have a memory of that, if it's always been complicated, maybe you were brought up in a home that didn't have consistent access to food, or you lived with someone who was always judging food from the get-go, or food was something that was a part of a trauma early on. You know, you may not have an accessible memory or ever experience a relationship with food that felt easy. I think that's also important when you're tending to this. And I say that because I notice there's a lot of shame for people I talk to when they're trying to do things like intuitive eating, where like, I just can't make it work. I'm failing at this too. And you know, if you have not experienced a relationship with food and you don't have a memory of a relationship with food that was intuitive or just like had ease in it. Um, It's not your fault that you can't connect to it. Um, The tool hasn't been made good enough for you. 
you know, those of us who work in this space haven't, haven't really given you what you need. And that's a challenge for all of us to do better and work on fixing these systems that are making folks have these relationships with food that are just so complicated from the get-go. So I want you to remove that shame and blame if that is something you connect with. So let's move on to your diet history. So if you've never dieted and your relationship with food is not complicated, I think we need to talk. <laughs> like, wow, that's, I'm surprised you're listening. Maybe you're just wanting to know more about this, but also like that's an anomaly. And I would expect that for you, the listener, you can remember your first diet. I think most people listening to Find Your Food Voice have dieted for a very long time. Um, maybe it wasn't called a diet, but it was something that was used to help you eat less, to weigh less. And when you think about your first diet, how old were you? And almost think about like, you know, those uh, timelines that people often will make when they're just talking about certain important periods of their life. I encourage folks then um, in PCOS Power and the program that my team and I run to help people with PCOS with a complicated relationship with food, we have everyone do a diet history timeline because it's as you're tending to your relationship with food and you're looking at the bigger picture, kind of knowing what the foundation was is going to help you to know what you want to do next. And putting a dot on a graph for your very first diet and writing down what was going on in your life. How old were you? Why did you go on one? Did the pediatrician tell your caregiver to do this, to make sure that you were healthy? Did someone notice your appearance and make a negative comment? Did you observe your caregivers, the ones that you love so much and thought were so beautiful, put down their appearance and really put on a pedestal thinness or eating in a certain way? I encourage you to let yourself really reconnect when it feels safe to the first time you did go on a diet and the reasons why you went on one. It's always very interesting to me too, to hear how folks connect with that first diet. Like, do you remember the first pang of feelings or messages as you started that diet or as you planned it? I know many people have said that they were excited or hopeful or lost, confused. Some people told me that they felt really scared going on their first diet. Let yourself like hold all of that that comes up with that first diet. And I also encourage you to consider, did it that first diet go as planned? Were you quote unquote successful? And because 95% of folks who go on a diet eventually regain all the weight lost and a third to two thirds of folks will regain more than they even lost. I wonder, like, did it go as planned? And what was that experience like for you as you noticed it not working anymore? 
I would take the jump to assume, because we've all been programmed in diet culture to believe this, that when the diet stopped working, that the blame was put on you. And, you know, is that something that you connect with? So that's your first diet. And this may be a time where you may want to pause and really map out throughout your life so far, how many diets have you been on? And, you know, use a timeline kind of graph, I guess, to just note when all the diets that you can remember going on. And I know for many folks, they can recall when they went on their first diet, maybe in kindergarten, and then when they started puberty, and then when they started high school, when they went to college, when they got married or trying to get pregnant, like there's different times in life where there was a situation that kind of brought on a connection also with going on a diet. I think that's something like, as I'm like talking and tending to this with you, I think that's something really important that life shifting changes, um, transitions, kind of highs and lows often will be stamped in time with also going on a diet. And I think that's really interesting. And I hope it's interesting to you too. I think it can be really, really um, important. So let's hold all of this. Again, we're tending to your relationship with food. And something that I am thinking about now especially looking at that timeline of your life so far and all the diets you've been on. What have diets overpromised yet underdelivered? They consistently overpromise. They're going to cure your PCOS. They're going to help you to have a baby. They are going to help you to fall in love. They're going to help you to um, fix your health forever. It's going to help you have permanent access. And yet, what has, what has diets, what have diets under delivered on? I know for many people, I don't know about you, listener, but for many people, losing weight has been a way to increase accessibility in spaces that are not friendly for folks in fat bodies. And certainly a diet can promote that weight change. And so many people have told me about their experiences of like the world treating them differently, treating them better, giving them more access, um, like figuratively and literally to different spaces. Yet the thing that sucks about all that, well, there's many things that suck about it, but one of them is that diets as we have them right now, like for most people, the weight loss will not be maintained. Like chronic dieting or going on and off a diet or staying on a diet for two years or more has been found to not maintain that weight loss for most people. And also has been shown to cause health problems. So I'm very opinionated about how diets overpromise and underdeliver. And I hope you can be too. Like there are many reasons why we need to name this about dieting. It does overpromise and underdeliver. And I encourage you to like let yourself really brainstorm how that has shown up for you. Okay. So we've done a lot on like the present, 
and your relationship with food and the past and your relationship with food. That's part of the bigger picture tend that I think is really important and super individual. That's why it's finding your food voice, by the way. Like there isn't like one template that everyone can use that's going to help them have ease with their relationship with food because we all have different lived experiences. We all have different access. We all have different identities and we all have different lived experience. So holding on to your own experiences, I wonder what it would be like to look ahead and consider some questions. Like, how do you want to feel around food? How do you want this experience to be? I am someone who is super visual and I don't tend to, this may sound like it's not saying what I'm trying to say, but I don't think in thoughts. <laughs> um, I think in pictures and feelings. I don't, there's, it's not words. And so as I say this, it may kind of sound clunky because I appreciate that the way my brain works is not how most people's brains work, or maybe I'm wrong, but it just feels that way sometimes. And when you are considering how do you want to feel around food, I say all that about how brains are wired because it may not be a feeling. It may be the thoughts you're having. It may be how you visualize your demeanor, how you want that to be in certain situations or in every situation. And I encourage you to really let yourself sit in a chair or sit in a place that's comfortable and really like let yourself imagine what that would be. I say this because as you are kind of pivoting to try to like experiment away from dieting and diet culture, having the, like letting yourself kind of fantasize about what this could be, how it would either feel or um, the message you get or the think the thoughts you would have, it gives your brain experience. Like this may be a very new experience, but letting yourself just dream about it, it helps your like synapses to feel a little bit more comfortable when it does start to happen. Um, there's some really cool things I've learned about that part about like imagining your future self um, and how you're relating to food. I learned a lot about that from Dr. Barbara Bersinger, who's been a guest on the podcast many times. Um, and she just has so much wisdom about that experience. Um, so check out her work if that interests you. But that's something that she taught me is like allowing your brain to have that repetition before it even happens just makes it like less like jolting, you know, um, kind of, I think about like tending to that garden again. Um, <laughs> this is a random example, but um, I got some orchids from, as a gift and I was talking to a friend, my friend, Stephanie, who <laughs> who's really great with plants and stuff. And I had read on the instructions to put like five ice cubes in the, the orchid um, every week. And she's like, oh no, don't do that to, <laughs> to the orchid. And she told me like to submerge it in water. Stephanie, sometimes I just still do the ice cubes because it's easier, but you know, submerging in water, she's like, it's just as less like jarring. And that's what I think about like doing this. What a random example, but um, you know, just letting yourself have that repetition before it happens. So when it does happen, it'll feel less like ice cubes and more just submerging in some water. <laughs> and okay, so looking ahead and you're just picturing what this is going to look like, what types of foods do you want to have around you? This is where you may have layers to it. 
Because in the beginning, it may be certain things, it may be certain amounts, but then over time, it may change. I also wonder who, if anyone, is with you. Will that matter? You know, as you're tending to your future relationship with food, how do all these variables fit? And I'm going to leave with some kind of, I don't know if it's homework, but just something that I encourage you to keep in mind if you go through these three kind of steps. Again, we had a moment where we were considering the big picture and then has it always been this way? When was your first diet? Actually, this is more than three. And then what have diets over promised and under delivered? That's four different things. As you go through those four things, you know, you may need to go back to that and tend to your relationship with food many times to uncover different spots. And what I have noticed over the last 20 years is that people who are mending their relationship with food, you know, kind of repairing it, there is a lot of work that needs to happen to tend to what you've experienced and then what you want next. So much of it is noticing as you're adding different ways of thinking about food, different foods around you, challenging different parts that you've been learned that you don't no longer want to associate with. There's a lot of experimenting and hindsight insight. So you basically need to like flail around and notice what's going on for you when you're flailing around in order to know for you, what is your next best step? But flailing around is scary as fuck. And it also can very quickly go to shame and blame. So if you go through this meditation more than once, I encourage you so, (laughs) I so strongly, I wish I could just be there with you to say, please practice permission. Permission to experiment and permission to let yourself have a way of relating to food and practicing different ways and changing it when you need to. And also with that being said, also having more compassion than you can imagine. Like practicing permission and compassion while you're experimenting with your relationship with food and tending to it, doing that without judgment that's basically like the secret sauce that I've noticed people who do end up mending their relationship with food in the way that they want. That's what they do. They experiment with different ways with compassion, permission, and without judgment. So to end, to conclude this tending to your relationship with food, I encourage you to take more big picture views, you know, tend to this garden or, you know, the metaphor of your relationship with food. And as you are taking these bigger picture views, you may notice when you're triggered to diet, those are such important things to hold on to. You know, you may be triggered to diet because of racism you experience or misogyny, healthism, you know, any of those kind of systems that are working against you. I hope you, again, you don't blame yourself because remember, using compassion, you are trying to survive and remain safe. And that's going to mean more for some than others, like literal safety. And that's why your food voice can only be yours because your identity is your own. And 
you know, like you're going to develop what you need in order to experience safety and also develop your own food voice. So I look forward to hearing what you have to say. Shoot me an email if you listen to this and it brings up anything interesting for you. My email, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's julie at juliedillonrd.com. I would love to hear what you have to say. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Find Your Food Voice. I hope it gave you more insight into tending to your relationship with food. I hope it helps to bring up some new options to move forward. And before I close out this episode, I want to just say a special shout out to my daughter. Today is her 15th birthday. Yes, I have a 15-year-old. And Karina, I'm so proud of you. You are an amazing um, person in our family. And she is someone who challenges me in the best way. So happy birthday, my girl. And if you enjoyed this episode of Find Your Food Voice, I am so glad. We always appreciate ratings or reviews and also like sharing an episode um, and subscribing. Those are the four big things you can do to help Find Your Food Voice grow and help more people find the show. And we appreciate all of your support. This episode of Find Your Food Voice was brought to you by my PCOS carb craving class. If you have PCOS and intense carb cravings, and you don't want to diet anymore, well, I have tools that can help you tend to your relationship with food. And I have a free class and also a PCOS Power open house because PCOS Power will be open for enrollment next week. Woo-hoo! I'm so excited. Um, and so if you would like to take out this free class in the open house, all you need to do is go to bit.ly slash PCOS carb craving. All right. That's all I have for this week. I look forward to connecting with you next week in next week's episode of Find Your Food Voice. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Bremner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 